And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding! How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Welcome to the Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. I am Jared Weiss. I'm joined by the Athletics Lakers writer, Jovan Buha, and Andrew Schlechtis producing the show. We've been doing this writer series throughout the offseason, kind of like sitting down with our writers, finding out not only what it takes to put a story together, but also like what it's like to put a story together. And you wrote about the biggest star in Los Angeles, the face of Team USA, Austin Reeves. It's called The Meteoric Rise and Newfound Fame of Austin Reeves. Came out August 22nd, which is a week ago what is this from us recording this. I can't believe that August is almost over. Um, but Austin Reeves' career is just starting. And he is, he went from like, kind of like, if you watch NBA games, you kind of know about this guy. And he's like the fun, kind of like, you know, rising guy that everyone's into, but no one thinks he's going to be like a serious player in this league. And that's dramatically changed. And yet he doesn't seem to care. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where the story starts for me, where you have all this newfound fame and acclaim. Uh, you are the Lakers' third best player on a Western Conference Finals run. You have your own sneaker. Uh, you're on billboards all across LA. You're even linked to Taylor Swift in dating rumors that were incredibly implausible, but people fell for. And just the fact that you kind of believe that he could potentially be dating uh, Taylor Swift, like that alone to me signified his incredible rise over uh, the, the past several months. Uh, but despite all of that, uh, Austin still has a chip on his shoulder. And uh, that was one of the first questions I asked him uh, when we linked up in Las Vegas when I went out there for Team USA minicamp was just, you have all this recent success and, and all these things coming your way these last few months. Uh, like, how are you maintaining that chip on your shoulder? And, and how are you maintaining that fuel? And he immediately just goes into all these different th you know slights and uh, you know not making the Rising Stars Challenge and all these just different things that he's been holding on to that are continuing to fuel him. And to him, this is just the beginning. And I, I know uh, along the way, people are going to continue to doubt him, but uh, he's continually proven all those people wrong. And that that's kind of the thing right now that's continuing to fuel him. Well, let's start with the beginning of the story because you did a great job. If you're going to pick anything to lead with, it's you asking him about the Taylor Swift dating rumors and him explaining why he... I mean, obviously he knew it was bullshit because he, he probably remember dating Taylor Swift, but his explanation for why everyone else should have known too was pretty great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I had to bring it up. It was the elephant kind of in the room of like, you know, you, you had this rumor and he had touched on it a little bit. He, he did a couple of podcasts over the summer where he, he, you know, said it was BS and, uh, I mean, he, he's in a committed relationship, a committed long-term relationship. So, uh, you know, he, he's not single, he's not dating, uh, but, he said, to, he's like, I mean, if they had said I was at a golf course, that would have been more realistic. But uh, the fact that they said I was at a bar, e even in Arkansas, 
uh, what was the, you know, the, the least plausible part of everything. So I thought that was hilarious. That just kind of summed up Austin. Like he does not go out. He's a homebody. He spends time with his friends, his family, his girlfriend, and he golfs. He's an avid golfer. He golfs every single day. But besides that, he is not going out. He's not socializing. He's not in any type of scene, even in Arkansas. So uh, the fact that he was supposedly spotted at a a bar uh, where Taylor Swift left her uh, Chicago concert to go visit Austin Reeves in uh, a small town in Arkansas where there's plausible. a thousand people. Uh, yeah, it, it was just... Yeah, it was ridiculous from the start, but people fell for it. A lot of people believed it. All the celebrity gossip sites ran with it, and it was just you know hilarious to watch from afar. I mean, credit to him. He's clearly had the glow up that it's more plausible that he would be dating Taylor Swift than Taylor Swift would fly down to Arkansas to see him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... Exactly. Yeah, it, they, could, they could make a good pair, but he's in a happy relationship. Good for him. Um, but yeah, so then, then the story, it kind of dovetails into the whole like how Austin's profile has emerged and now we're seeing him on team USA he's playing in the world cup and you know every year team USA has a guy that you're like oh I didn't realize he was valued that highly by the people in the basketball world and I, I think Austin's past that point like he was their third best player in a conference finals run last year I presume you agree but tell me if you don't yeah, but no for sure like, wait I guess what what do you think the perception of Reeves is as you're putting the story together and where do you th- how do you think this whole team USA process and the bonds that he's building there is going to affect the way he's viewed over the next few years? Well, you know, as I've seen on social media and on the athletic at times, like there are still a lot of people who don't believe in Austin Reeves and, and believe this is a mirage. He's just an overrated Lakers role player. Uh, he, he's the token white guy. Uh, and he's just benefiting from this purple and gold platform that he has. And I think he's proven that's not the case. Uh, basically, from the trade deadline on, he was a 17, 4, and 5 guy with near 50, 40, 90 shooting splits. Uh, one of the rare guys who, as he scaled up in terms of usage and workload and role, was able to maintain his efficiency which, as you know, is really difficult to do. Uh, so I'm I, I, doing all that with per, you know, playing really good perimeter defense for the most part. And uh, you know, in that Golden State series was having to defend Steph Curry uh, after the first couple of games where you know, Golden State was able to play Jared Vanderbilt off the floor. So he was doing it on both sides of the ball. And you know, so I, I think there was a lot of skepticism around him making the team. Uh, I thought it was deserved, but uh, you know, looking at some of the names that weren't there, be it a Trey Young, a De'Aaron Fox, a Damian Lillard, like various reasons for those guys not being there. Uh, but when you look at a guy like Austin making it over them, it does raise some eyebrows. But for me, the the first thing that stood out when, when I got there and started watching the scrimmages was like, he wasn't just, I, I want to see like, how's he look? Is he fitting in? Like, what, what you know, what, what's kind of the vibe? And like, it wasn't just that he was fitting in. Like he was already within the first couple days of camp in that top seven or eight of the rotation uh, in terms of just how they were deploying him. And he was matched up with Anthony Edwards, Jalen Brunson, Brandon Ingram, Mikhail Bridges, and holding his own against those guys and scoring on those guys and and getting stops against them and like doing the same things that he did in Lakers training camp that got him on the team uh, because the, the origin story was he was a two-way guy, goes to Las Vegas for a players-only minicamp that LeBron James was leading, and he played so well that LeBron and AD were just like, 
this guy has to be on the team. And <laughs> the Lakers were planning on carrying 14 guys into the regular season. And they had to, like, you know, after LeBron and AD spoke with management, it's like, this guy has to be our 15th player. We cannot just have him on a two way. So Austin made the team. And from there, he's kind of taken off. So um, I think the, the Team USA bump is real. If, if you go back and see guys who are under you know, 25, 26 that play for Team USA, that next year, they, they tend to take a leap. I suspect the combination of Austin going into his third year and playing Team USA will lead to that. Uh, but you know, Darvin Ham said this summer he thinks Austin could be an all-star sooner than later. I asked Austin about that. He said that's one of his goals and he thinks it's realistic. So I think that's kind of the next step for him Of uh, is like you earn a spot in Team USA, you play pretty well, you're in the rotation and you carry that over. And as LeBron ages, you know, nearing 40, as AD deals with his injuries, like I think there's a realistic shot that Austin Reeves could be like the fifth guard on an all-star team uh, if he assumes higher usage and is a you know 25 and five guy which I think is, is you know rather plausible. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I just love how every Lakers story includes LeBron getting credit for everything happening always <laughs> it's great i mean hey lebron's one of the great playmakers ever so i'm not surprised uh but th- that that part it just has to be in the Austin Reeves origin story which is it great. does yeah um but yeah i mean this whole thing is great because like you just you look at how it's one thing to be an underrated player emerging like he's a two-way guy i'm having trouble thinking of other two-way guys that have emerged at this level and you have this great quote in here where you're talking about how we got snubbed from the rising stars challenge and he said it's kind of a common theme of my life and then now you look at him at team usa and he's going up against the guys that were like playing in those rising stars challenges and starring in them you know the idea of him going up against anthony edwards and holding his own is amazing considering ant is like the face of one of the recent draft classes and i mean you know i feel like all these major market teams they always have a young guy that's coming up. He's putting up good numbers and he's like that third guy and everybody around there thinks he's definitely going to scale into an all-star. It's definitely going to happen, especially when the main guys start to age out and he assumes a role. It doesn't happen a lot of the time. Um, who knows? Maybe like Jordan Poole in Washington will average 30 a night and he'll make an all-star team. But like it's never really quite happens that way. But there's something about the way Reeves plays and the way he carries himself that I think it's because he's so versatile. And because his creativity and his hustle is kind of like the bedrock of how he plays the game, then he just also has developed a good touch and he's able to kind of shoot from like everywhere, kind of a, kind of has become a three-level scorer and playmaker. It just feels like his ability to mesh in any type of situation is why he works well with the Lakers and why he's in this position with Team USA. I think you you said the, the perfect word for him is, is versatility, like his, his ability to play on and off the ball. Uh, as you said, he... You know, got better as a, a foul drawer, 
which really uh, some would say foul baiting, and and that's you know maybe a fair criticism if, if you What's really want to get into the weeds is? there. Uh, but you know he he referenced studying Trey Young and James Harden, and uh, I know that style of play isn't for everyone, but uh, how many guys can study that style of play and actually implement it? Right, like there, there's only so many guys. A lot of guys try and foul bait, but Reeves has been able to do it rather successfully, and you know was consistently getting to the line five, six, seven times a night. Uh, throughout that second half run, so I think I, you know, I, expectations probably need to be tempered a little bit. Where it's not like uh, he, he's the next Larry Bird, uh, and and you know is going to be like a top five or ten guy. He's already twenty five, so he is a little bit older uh, on the aging curve, uh, just be, because he ended up playing you know four four years in college, but had to redshirt a year because he transferred. So ended up being in college for five years. Came in as a twenty three year old, a little bit older. Uh, as a rookie, but I, I do think he has shown one thing with him that that's been interesting is like he's he's really shown month over month growth, which you don't always see from young guys. A lot of times it might be, you know, several months and then there's a progression. With Austin, it's it's almost been like uh, the the comparison I've made is like kind of Spider Man in the beginning of Spider Man movies, where he's like learning, he's just you know toying with different things and kind of figuring it out. Like that that's been Austin, where first he kind of he grew up playing point guard. But with the Lakers, it was like Russ was there, Rondo was there, Kendrick Nunn, even Taylor Horton Tucker, who the Lakers were high on at that time. Uh, so he he's like, and that's not even mentioning LeBron, he's like fifth, sixth, seventh in the pecking order in terms of ball handlers playing point guard. So he had to learn more. You know, I I, I got to be th- this movement shooter. I, I got to learn how to play kind of a, the two three hybrid position. And now after the Westbrook trade and over the last several months, like the Lakers finally were like hear the keys to the offense like you run the show and then he has that game one performance against memphis where that's the the famous now i'm him viral moment came from that where the lakers in their first game of the playoffs on the road hostile memphis environment lebron's there 80s there and they're running their offense through austin reeves and it's austin reeves you go score and lebron and and 80 are going on your back and you're carrying us to a game one win uh, on the road so i think with him, I don't know what the ceiling is because, again, like he's just continued to rewrite it every step of the way. And this was a guy, you know, he had three college scholarships uh, offers coming out of high school. In college, was not getting the minutes and the role he wanted at Wichita State. So he transfers to Oklahoma, hoping that will help, you know, jumpstart uh, his post college basketball career. Then again, doesn't get drafted, is a two way guy, has to earn his way days before training camp starts to get a roster spot like just along the way he's always had to prove himself and so i think all star like a couple all-star perform you know uh, selections are, are reasonable but who knows because uh, again like if you told me austin reeves was going to be an all-star two years ago i would have laughed at you and you know i w- would have asked what you were smoking but now it's like it's possible i was smoking that austin pack baby <laughs> he's him He's him. He All right, let's, let's go from a, a honestly like one of a kind role player success story. Probably not quite, but a you know, great role player success story to yeah. not even a bad one, but just kind of the usual role player success story. So, talk to me about Troy Brown. Mm-hmm. So, in, in many ways, Troy Brown and, and Austin are and you know, are, are opposite. Where Troy was a guy with pedigree. Troy was a five star recruit. Uh, Troy was one of the top guys in in his high school class. Uh, was one of the top NBA prospects uh, in his college class. 
And this was a guy who, uh, you know, good shooter coming up, uh, had you know, kind of a, a lanky, versatile, do-it-all forward uh, who could handle the ball, who could score, who could defend, who could rebound and, you know, play multiple positions and, and just function in, in different ways. And for him, uh, you know, going to Washington, uh, there aren't many success stories out of Washington. So it, it's it's kind of hard to divorce <laughs> uh, Troy, the start of Troy Brown's career and just the way things have, have tended to go in Washington. Uh, but goes to, to Washington, has a forgettable rookie season, and finally starts to break out a, a bit his second year. But ultimately, the Wizards go in a different direction. Uh, they draft Rui Hachimura, and they start just uh, and and Denny uh, Avia, and just going like you know now Troy, you're you're not the forward of the future. You're like third in in the pecking order, and eventually gets traded to Chicago and and shows out a little bit as a shooter, but uh, still kind of in that that role player mold. So for him, it's really a journey of the the battle of what you want to do versus what the league wants you to do. And uh, the NBA is obviously a very competitive space. And if you're not willing to adapt and play a certain role, you're just going to be out of the league. And for him, despite coming up as this guy with pedigree and this high-level prospect and thinking of himself as, I can be a number two or number three option, I can help run an offense, uh, you know, I can be a go-to guy in crunch time, he's had to accept like, you know, if, if you're not at a certain level of a shot creator or a ball handler, you kind of get pigeonholed in that three and D mold. And he he's six, six, he, you know, he is a capable perimeter defender. He is a capable three point shooter. So he does check those boxes, but for him, he feels like he has so much more to offer. So there were various times in the Lakers season where they asked him to do more. But even at one point when I was working on the story, I asked Darvin Ham, like, how do you view Troy? How do you view his role on this team? And he's like, "Well, with Troy, it's simple. He's a three and D guy." And like that to me, that quote to me was just Jeez. so emblematic of Troy's struggle of like, I feel like I can do so much more, but I'm I'm doing what the team is asking me to do. And I, I think it gets lost in the shuffle where a lot of times we remember like the higher profile guys, like the James Wiseman's or uh, some of these guys that. You know they, they fizzle out with their team or or their bus or whatever, but basically every guy who, who's a first round pick for the most part kind of has their own version of this, and there are the you know, the, the very few that break through and are all stars and and kind of get the career that they want. But most guys have to settle for a reduced role and, and embracing that. And with Troy, it was just kind of talking through like, how are you going through this? Because at you know, early in the season, he's starting, then he. You know, goes to the bench and kind of falls out of the rotation. Then he gets starts again, then back to the bench. And like just that yo-yoing of role, expectations, minutes, all those things. And and just I think trying to characterize that uh, as best as I possibly could. So the story is called Troy Brown Jr. and the gift and curse of surviving as an NBA role player. And I mean you touched on it there, but it was interesting for him saying there's kind of this duality of my versatility and being able to do whatever they ask me to do and being able to change my role constantly is what keeps me in this league. But at the same time, it's also frustrating. And I think we hear this as just covering the NBA from players around teams. Honestly, 
it really scales all the way up to the top. Usually the superstar that's leading the team doesn't really complain, but everybody else is like, I could take on more of this role. Inconsistency is making it more difficult for me. I've had every single year I've had role players or people around role players or coaches on teams that are working with role players being like, you know, if they could just get more consistency, know what their minutes are, know if they're going to play every single night, they play so much better. But that's obviously not how it works in the NBA. And Troy is like kind of like a testament to how because I felt like he faded away until he got back to the Lakers, and there's your there's your Lakers uh, bump right there. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Troy Brown right. is like a legit rotation player, but he faded from the league for a while where I wasn't even sure if he was going to stick around, and now he's signing a new deal with Minnesota and looks like he's bought himself some more longevity. Yeah, and and but that even kind of plays into the narrative as well where it was three teams, three different time zones through his first five seasons now going back to the Midwest, but going to be a fourth team in six years. And they're probably going to make him play center or something like that. Yeah, he's going to, well, not on that team. <laughs> he's going to be, he's going to, hey, he's going to end up being the point guard next to like four centers. <laughs> It'll be the fifth string uh, center too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. So I, yeah, that, that one, it, it was a, it was a struggle to find an opening scene. I will say that quickly um, of that, uh, you know, shout out to my editor, uh, Mike Prada, like, we went through so many opening scenes for that story. Like definitely the most I've had an opening scene change. Like normally it's either like the first or second draft. We kind of have the opening scene and then it's just about tweaking the middle, maybe moving some sections around, obviously line editing and stuff. But this was one where it was like, how do we want to introduce this concept of Troy being on the ball, Troy being a creator? Because honestly, there weren't many examples of it. Uh, but I remember this pass that he had in OKC and I was like, how do we incorporate this scene into the story? And ultimately, the audio of the Thunder play-by-play guy uh, talking about it and kind of being surprised by it was kind of the thing that kicked it off because then I talked to Troy of like, you know, a lot of people don't realize how good of a passer you are. Like, how do you feel about that? And then he kind of goes off on, well, people are always surprised when I can pass, but like da 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 da, and like so just it just I, to me it kind of set yeah it just started it just kind of set the tone for the story and, and kind of got us into the meat of it. All right, well that's the end of the podcast. Easy Oban Buha. he covers the Lakers for the Athletic. He does a pretty damn good job with it. Andrew Schlecht is our producer. I'm Jared White, and we'll see you next time on the Ding. Ding ding. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 